recent interview with Dr. Edwin Locke, the author of The Selfish Path to Romance, we discussed the key components to creating and nurturing a healthy romantic relationship. The ideas in the book are inspired by the viewpoint of an objectivist spanned by the teaching of Ayn Rand. I hope you will listen to the podcast, 584 with Dr. Edwin Locke, the author of The Selfish Path to Romance. Thank you. And now to our host, Greg Voison. Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. Um, as I do every time I come on my shows, it's now been running 10 years, uh, close to 600 podcasts with authors on personal growth, wellness, mastery, spirituality, health. And I have a returning author from Newport Beach joining us today, and it's Cherry Shoden. And Terry has a new book out, her previous book that I interviewed her for. Um, I don't know exactly when that was. When was that, Terry? How long ago yeah, did you about, release that oh other gosh, book? Almost, almost five years ago, and that was for Small Message, Big Impact. Yeah, five years ago. Well, congrats <laughs> to you because this Thank is you. this is a scrappy little book. And by the way, for my listeners, uh, no pun intended, the title is Scrappy, a little book about choosing to play big. And obviously in today's world, when you're an entrepreneur or you're a business owner or you just really want to play big, you have to kind of think out of the box. You got to do certain things. And Terry um, is really, I would say, a real thought leader on that. Um, Terry, I'm going to let my listeners know a tad bit about you. She's the principal and founder of Shodin Communications, a public speaking sales training and consulting firm. And for more than 20 years, she has served as a speaker and consultant for Fortune 500 companies, industry associations, academic conferences, CEO, and members of Congress. She lives in Newport Beach, not too far from me here. And as we said, she's the author of Small Message Big Impact, The Elevator Speech Effect, published by Portfolio in 2012. Um, this book is a portfolio book as well, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Okay. Among her television appearances, she's a Today Show, MSNBC, the Bloomberg TV. And if you want to learn more about this book, you can go to www.scrappy, S-C-R-A-P-P hyphen, thebook.com. That's scrappythebook.com. You also can reach her at shodincommunications.com, and that's www. S J O D I N communications plural dot com. Well, Terry, <laughs> thank you for thank you for the uh, the opportunity to do this interview. Um, your publicist is somebody I work with quite a bit, and they kept saying, "Oh, you got to interview Terry. I got to interview Terry." And I said, "Well, I did interview her, and I interviewed you before for other book, Small Big Biz Message, and." I, you know, I'd classify you as a no-nonsense kind of person who definitely is scrappy. For our listeners, what is <laughs> scrappy and what are the characteristics of a scrappy person like yourself? So to kind of put everything into context, uh, so Small Message, Big Impact, of course, is, you know, really designed to help people to craft more clear, concise, and compelling messages. Uh, but what was interesting is that within that book, I have a chapter called Earning the Right to be Heard. And the, the basic concept is, look, you could have the greatest presentation in the world, but if you don't have access to the most desirable listeners, then 
you're basically your presentation is for naught. And so this whole concept of how do we earn the right to be heard became a real uh, touch point for people. So people were asking me all the time, I've got to get scrappy. I need to earn the right to be heard. I can't get access. And so the emphasis behind scrappy, so scrappy is defined as full of fighting spirit. It speaks to being gutsy, having a little moxie, a little creativity, uh, you know, kind of spunky. One of my favorite definitions comes from the Urban Dictionary, which describes a scrappy person as someone who's little but can still really kick some ass. And so I really like that one too. But when you're scrappy. And as, and as my mother used to say, somebody with a lot of chutzpah. I have a little Jewish mother. The, Jew, the Jewish people say you got a lot of chutzpah. <laughs> Absolutely, right? Yeah, so yeah, when you're exactly. scrappy, you have that determination of what we would call a street fighter. You work smarter. You're willing to work harder when you need to. You're willing to take some risks and to play big no matter what the obstacles are. So that word scrappy kind of embodies a mix of all of these traits plus that gumption to you know really put it to work and take action. Well, and I think that those characteristics for some people are inborn and for other people, there's a ton of fear around that. You know, it is. And, you know, you were influenced to write the book as a result of watching this movie, Wall Street. You know, it's, a, <laughs> I think, probably, I don't know, a, probably a good 80% of those listeners out there that are listening to us right now have probably seen that movie. This Bud Fox, played by Charlie Sheen, was the hungry broker, stockbroker, who wanted to meet this very, very rich man, Gordon Gecko, played by Michael Douglas. Now, Bud Fox took actions to capture the attention of of Gordon. Um, and those actions were not normal actions. Um, for those who didn't see the movie, what were the actions and why do you classify those actions to meet Gordon Gecko as somebody who's scrappy? Right. So, well, okay, we're going to go back 20 years. So, um, the impetus of the very first time I got scrappy was because of that movie. And, uh, the, what happened for me, and, and maybe many of your listeners will kind of relate to this. So I was Again, it was back in the late 80s. I was in my very first sales job. I was trying to land a really big account, and I just kept getting blocked at every turn. And so people kind of kept saying, just forget about it. You're never going to get in there. You're never going to get there. And so I suppose most people would quit at that point. Uh, but I just kept thinking, there's got to be something. And I think that when you kind of are in alignment with thinking to yourself, all right, there's got to be another way than somehow, some way the universe provides. And so <laughs> I'd gone to the movies with some friends and went to see this movie, Wall Street, and there's this sequence of scenes that really kind of put everything into context for me. And so ultimately, as you kind of mentioned, so Bud, Bud Fox, who's played by Charlie Sheen, decides that he's going to, you know, kind of stop banging his head against a wall and try to do something different to do what he calls bag an elephant, so get a really big account. So he cold calls mm -hmm. Gordon Gecko's office for 59 days in a row. He starts doing all kinds of like intricate homework, and he finds out when Gordon Gecko's birthday is. He finds out what his favorite cigars are, and he uses his, context, his contacts to get access to these cigars. And he shows up at Gordon Gecko's office with the cigars on his birthday after kind of schmoozing the secretary, and he gets the shot. And when he got the shot, I got the lesson. And so I kept thinking to myself, oh, my gosh, what can I do to kind of get a little scrappy and to gain access when everybody's basically telling me, you're never going to get in there. It's not going to happen. And so from that moment forward, almost gosh, a 20-year period now, 
uh, I've been kind of doing lots of little scrappy things. And so ultimately that led to this book because, you know, many people have asked me, how do I get scrappy before putting together a transaction? How do I get there in the middle? How do I do something as a follow-up? What if I don't want to do something that that big? Are there small options? Are there medium options? Are there large options? And ultimately, after kind of two years of interviewing and evaluating and assessing scrappy efforts executed by a variety of different people in a ton of different ways, uh, ultimately that brought us to the final manuscript, which is the book Scrappy. Well, it's an opportunity for people who are looking to find a new, unique way of reaching somebody. And you've got lots of great stories in this book, and we're going to get to a few of those in a minute but a great way for you to actually teach them how to be scrappy. I, deal, I, I will say that being scrappy, you know, from my estimation, because I've had to be scrappy lots, um, you, you have to remove your fears. And it's the fear of, you know, being put in that uncomfortable situation or doing that uncomfortable thing. And in your chapter titled Mindset, Choose to Play Big, you break down common excuses for what you refer to as negative forecasting. And I think that's what a lot of people do in their mind is negative forecasting. How do you recommend to people to shift their attitude to want to being scrappy? And what advice do you have for people with those negative attitudes about, you know, hey, I'll never be able to get in there to do that. I'll never, it'll never happen. Because that their mindset actually is one of, um, I'm not enough. I can't do it. Versus one, I am enough, I can do it, and turn off that ego that's continuing to talk to them. Sure, and I, you know, I really think it starts with kind of getting out of your own way and realizing that whatever your kind of self-limiting belief is, you know, I call them almost socially acceptable excuses that, uh, you know, the environment allows us to have, and then we have a tendency to perpetuate those. So whether, you know, you feel like you're too young or too old or too inexperienced or too whatever, you know, in general, we're all pretty good at what I call this negative forecasting and giving into those culturally acceptable excuses. And because people will say, oh, you know, I tried, but they, it didn't work. Or, you know, I applied there, but I never heard anything back from them. Or I called them five times and, you know, no one ever returned my phone calls. And we, we go, oh, well, if you tried, well, then that's okay then. Why don't you just let it go? And one of the most common excuses seems to center around this mysterious they and what those people will think. Think about it. We've all said, you know, they won't pick me or they've already had a ton of great people on their team or they won't think I have enough experience. And quite frankly, I'm not sure who this shadowy group is, but <laughs> we certainly mm-hmm. let them hold a lot of power over us. And so the scrappy mm-hmm. people who I interviewed they kind of shared how they were able to kind of manage to quell that negative self-talk in their heads and push past uh, those barriers of what I would call socially acceptable excuses. And just don't let that be the answer. I mean, whenever somebody says, that's okay, you know, at least you tried. I'm like, oh, like that just frustrates me. Like that means I have to do, I better get scrappy. I better get scrappy and try a little bit harder or quite frankly, I just don't want it that much. And I think that that's really uh, the ultimate indicator. Ask yourself, like, how bad do you really want it? And if you want it, right. then that's probably going to be the impetus to make you get scrappy. Well, I think you talk about it. You actually talk about commitment. 
But I, I want you to relate a story because I think it'll give a context for our listeners. You have a great story that exemplifies of what I would consider to be a very scrappy person. You have lots of stories, but I'm going to ask you to get into two of them. One of them is about uh, Brian Palmer, the president of the National Speakers Association, and his scrappy strategy that got him face-to-face with Mr. Big. Can you tell our <laughs> listeners just how this scrappy guy chose to go about it? I thought it was funny, actually, what he did um, to actually get in and the response that he had to get into this uh, financial services executive. Right. So Brian Palmer is the uh, president and owner of the National Speakers Bureau, which is a little bit different from the association. Um, and uh, ultimately, <laughs> he was calling on, you know, his responsibility as not only the president of the company, but also to be, you know, probably one of their best salespeople, right? And and for most of us, if we own our own organizations, you might be the company owner, but you also have to be the best salesperson within your organization. And so he had been calling on this account for a very long time, and quite frankly, he had done well with other divisions within the organization, but he just couldn't land this particular division, and he wanted it. So he kept kind of courting them and calling on them and courting them and calling on them, and nothing was happening. And so finally, he just kind of had this like little sidebar conversation with uh, the key decision-maker's assistant, and he said to her, you know, why won't this guy let me in? Like, I'm working with everyone else. Why won't he let me in? And she kind of jokingly said to him, well, Brian, he's kind of said to us that you just don't suck up enough. And Brian was like taken aback. He's like, what? And she kind of, he's, she's like, he goes, you're, you're kidding, right? And she's like, no, you know, he just kind of really likes people to cater to his, you know, requests and and Brian just started laughing, and he goes, well, okay. And then he said, well, does he have a good sense of humor? And she goes, oh, yeah, he has a great sense of humor. And he goes, okay. And the reason that that kind of came into his mind is he'd been at, I think it was like a, tar- a Target earlier that day, and he'd picked up a dustbuster vacuum cleaner, and it was sitting in his car. And he thought, you know what, I'm going to send this dustbuster to this guy with a note. So he packages this whole thing up, and he includes it with a note, and it basically says, you know, dear Mr. Big, um, I typically like to do my sucking up in person, but for those times when I'm not around, I hope this will remind you to call on me. (laughs) And when the guy got it, he thought it was hilarious. And so he ran around the office, apparently, with the dustbuster and the node and told everybody what Brian did. He thought it was hilarious, and it got him in the door and ultimately got him one of his biggest accounts that he still maintains to this day. Now, that was a pretty scrappy play. It was getting scrappy in the moment. And he did at least, you know, inquire, uh, you know, does he have a good sense of humor? And it was kind of a bit of a risky play, but it worked and it played. And so that kind of broke Mm -hmm. him through uh, what I would call when you're stuck in purgatory, right? Maybe somebody hasn't said yes, maybe they haven't said no, but your deal's kind of stuck in purgatory and you can get a little scrappy in order to shake things up a bit. Yeah, it's a great example. It's an awesome example because... You know, you're, again, number one, you're thinking out of the box. Uh, I know that I got scrappy many times, but I used to put $100 um, bills inside of a FedEx uh, packet. And then I used to ask the CEO's companies for 30 minutes of their time saying, keep the money. And 90% of the time, I got the interviews, and 10% of the time, the people kept the money. But it, the, the odds worked. It was that I saw value in them, and that's what the letter said. So, you know, there's lots of scrappy ways, but you know, you state that scrappy people step into 
challenges and that their brains joined them, providing answers they couldn't begin to foresee, but hoped would come. You say that the ideas don't come first. The commitment does. Just what we were talking about. What advice do you have for someone who's stuck and needs a dose of commitment? Right. It's a really great question. And, and you know, here's what happens for most of us. Um, when I interviewed all the scrappy people, I was looking for the through line, the connector. And I was wondering, you know, what made them get scrappy? What finally activated them? And usually they were just annoyed, frustrated, ready for some change, ready to play bigger. You know, there was something that had like really activated them. And I liken it to a tiny piece of sand in the bed of an oyster, right? That without that irritation, the oyster bed will create no pearl. And it's the same thing when getting scrappy. It's like something's irritated you enough that you're like, ah, you're frustrated. You're like all in. So you could be frustrated. You could be all in. But that doesn't mean that the ideas are going to come. Something happens, and there's science to prove it, that something happens the moment you really commit. When you say, that is it, that is it, I am all in, I'm going to play big, whatever big means for you. And as soon as you do that, what happens is your brain's going to resist because your brain is designed to provide comfort and safety. It says, look, if what you did yesterday kept you alive and safe, then let's just do that again. So it's going to resist initially. And so Mm -hmm. you're going to get that pushback. You're not going to get the fun, clever ideas. You're probably going to get resistance and pushback. Like, no, 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 let's not do that. Let's stay safe. Let's play it easy. And then if you push again, right, you're really pushing on yourself. And this is, again, pushing past that own self-limiting beliefs or even your own self-doubt or even your own self-criticism where you finally say, okay, that's it. If it's going to be, it's going to be up to me. Like, I have to be the decider. So you decide. You're like, that's it. I'm all in. And what happens is it works like a railroad switch where all of a sudden your brain has to comply. So all of a sudden this shift happens and your brain starts to start, begin to calculate, okay, what are some alternative options? What are some other things? And I don't know what the trigger is going to be. People said, oh, I was in the shower and it came to me. I was driving down the freeway and I saw a sign on the back of a truck and then I got this idea. I was watching a movie. I was singing a song with friends. I read this great book and I heard this example and it gave me this trigger. So what happens is you make the commitment, you decide you're all in, your brain has to comply and then ideas will flow. And the reason for that is when you're in a calm, happy, chill space, that might provide some sort of kind of creative concept. But truthfully, when you're sipping a pina colada on the beach in the Caribbean, you're probably not going to come up with a super clever, scrappy idea. There's a sense of urgency behind it. I echo what you say. It's interesting because that was a question that I I wanted to actually see how you answered because I've done a lot of research myself. I'm just finishing a book called Hacking the Gap, A Journey from Intuition to Innovation and Beyond. And what I found by all the interviews is, is a lot of what you've just said. You know, we talk about intuition you know, seeing that sign, uh, the signpost in the back of the truck or came to me in the shower. And you're exactly right. Those things then ping off of other things that are in the subconscious that actually put the links together. They actually connect the dots and somebody actually comes up with that scrappy idea. Now, you uh, have defined the three pillars of scrappiness. 
Um, can you briefly <laughs> tell our listeners what they are and why, you know, having these pillars of scrappiness are important? You know, really, that's the essence of the book is, you know, these pillars of scrappiness plus your stories. Sure. So, right, the very first element is, or what we would call a pillar, is just the whole concept of having the right attitude and being in the right mindset. And so, I, you know, I believe that we all have a scrapper inside of us. Uh, just about, depends on how much time and attention you're going to give that part of your being. So, you know, you might say, I'm scrappy. I have a scrappy attitude. I've always been scrappy, and I hope that you are. So the next step then from your attitude beyond that is what's your strategy? Because a scrappy person just who's successful consistently just isn't going off ad hoc, right? They, they do their homework. They think it through. Now, sometimes you don't have the luxury of a great deal of time, but there are lots of ways you can do just enough homework within a short period of time in order to execute a, a fairly clever scrappy play. But you have to actually ask yourself, am I prepared for the opportunity that I'm trying to pursue? Have I spoken to my mentors about the best way to approach this situation? Um, is this clever? Will it appeal to the listener? Because whatever we do, we may have to make sure that it appeals to the receiver. It doesn't matter if you think something's clever. What matters is whether or not they will receive it well. So you're really customizing a clever illustration that kind of meets the needs and makes somebody kind of sit up in their chair and go, oh, that was good, or oh, that was interesting. And, and again, I, I would ask you to do a risk assessment. Don't do anything that's too risky or crazy or takes you off the grid. I, my mantra is let's keep it classy and scrappy. And then really think through your plan. And then after you've really thought through your plan, thought through your strategy, then you have to step into that third pillar, which is execution. And Unfortunately, so many people get stuck tinkering. Oh, I've thought about doing something like that, or we were going to do something like that. We just never do it. And at some point, you just have to go. You just have to get out of your own way and go. And Amelia Earhart said it best. She said, the best way to do it is to just do it. And so sometimes you <laughs> have to go. Yeah, you can't. Uh, analysis by paralysis, as they say, you just can't keep analyzing it. You've got to make the step and take the big step. And you'll find out usually when you make those steps that it isn't as frightening as you originally thought. Um, you, you get through it. And once you get comfortable with it, it becomes very easy to do again, because now you're actually stepping up your um, actually resistance to any of that, that there is a huge amount of resistance as Steve Pressman talks in people's lives to, you know, take that next step to finish that book, to make that yourself move over and, and, uh, take a, a position with somebody. Now you have a great story in here and I, I don't know if I'm pronounced this man's late, but Roman, Roman Tinsler, is it the co-founder oh, of P mm -hmm. Cinder? the co-founder okay, yeah. of PTTOW. Um, mm -hmm. He actually has a, a pretty scrappy story. You know, <laughs> um, I know for me that th this person we're talking about is someone that I'm going to interview someday. Now, I haven't yet, but why don't you tell his story because the reality is uh, this was pretty scrappy. It worked and it's a great story. So it kind of ties into all three pillars that we've been talking about today, which is, you know, you have to have your, your head in the right mindset. 
Um, and you just really have to kind of believe in the concept that if you're going to play big, that you're going all in. Um, and the second thing is you really have to think through your strategy, and then, of course, you're, you're going to have to execute. And execution doesn't mean that it's a one-hit wonder, right? Sometimes you're going to have to make mul multiple attempts to execute your scrappy strategy over time. So, you know, Roman had his head in the right place. Um, he really kind of constructed a beautiful, elegant strategy that was really uh, designed to meet the cultural expectations of this individual. And then finally, and most importantly, he was very calm with his execution. He was steady and calm and consistent, and then steady and calm and consistent. So it wasn't a big noisy play. It was a well-crafted play, and it was done with patience and elegance over time. So what's the back? That's the backstory. So Roman, very successful entrepreneur and businessman, wanted to create a conference uh, experience called Patau. And so Patau is kind of like, really, it's the TED event for the marketing world. I mean, he brings together the finest, brightest minds in the world. And he basically was kind of crafting this concept. And he was sitting at, uh, with friends, and he kind of shared with me that he was actually kind of sharing this concept and idea with his family. And he said, I'm going to create this event. It's going to be called Patau. And I'm going to bring the greatest minds together from the greatest brands in the world, from, you know, uh, Coca-Cola, Pepsi, you name it, from all of the surf brands, from Vans to uh, <laughs> you name it. And they were like, okay, that sounds great, Roman, but why would all of those people come to your event? And he's like, I'm going to get the greatest speakers. And, I'm gonna, and they're like, yeah, well, all those companies can bring in the greatest speakers. Like, who could you possibly get that's going to make them want to come? And he's like, I'm going to get the Dalai Lama. <laughs> and they're like, what are you talking about? Like, you're not going to get the Dalai Lama. And, you know, there's, they're like, that's just crazy. Do you even know the Dalai Lama? And he's like, no, but I'm going to figure it out, how I'm going to get it done. And um, ultimately, through a lot of networking connections and uh, beautiful, elegant introductions, he met Laban Tanza, uh, who's uh, uh, in service to his holiness. And so he created a relationship, and then they were, he was able to explain to them what Patau does and what the influence does and how it affects young people. And again, this is um, a beautiful, graceful story over time, but you know, how do you persuade the Dalai Lama to do something? Because the truth of the matter is you cannot make a direct request of the Dalai Lama that's considered inappropriate. So you're not pitching the Dalai Lama. You're not <laughs> asking directly. You're asking right. indirectly in a way that meets the cultural requirements and expectations so that it is uh, illuminates with the desires that are in alignment with the Dalai Lama and the principles of peace. So it's a very like tricky, it's a tricky thing. And so there's this beautiful story of basically how over time he was able to actually make it happen. The Dalai Lama did attend and speak at his conference and it was a game-changing moment for that conference. And, you know, from not only from the Dalai Lama, but since that time, I mean, he's brought in Quincy Jones and uh, just an unbelievable lineup of incredible people who share their pearls of wisdom with some of the greatest uh, marketing thought leaders in the world. And that's really driven by Roman's uh, tenacity, his elegance, his patience, his networking, and you know, doing all of the cultural things to be scrappy and execute over time. Well, it's an awesome story to kind of 
sum up your book, Scrappy. I mean, you know, the reality is, um, I, for all of my listeners, you you will want to get this book. You will want to read it, especially if there's something you want to do in your life, which is out of your comfort zone. I think what Terry writes to is making you feel more comfortable with this and you getting scrappy to be able to do it. And I think there's lots of listeners out there right now, Terry, who, you know, probably have the idea. They just haven't executed on it because there is some reluctance for some reason. There's something in their subconscious that prevents them from doing it. But you certainly give them the impetus with this. Is there any one yeah. thing you want to leave our listeners with that would say, hey, you know, take charge of this, uh, as we say, negative forecasting. Take charge <laughs> of these negative attitudes and thoughts. And really, it, it, it isn't painful. What would you want to leave them with? You know, ultimately what I believe my goal was with this book was to basically provide enough illustrations and examples that would inspire and encourage people to take action on their own belief systems. And, and ultimately, when you're reading the illustrations and you're seeing the examples, I don't want you to copy them or replicate them. What I hope they do is trigger something in your own heart and mind where you're like, look, I wouldn't do that, but I'd do this. Or, you know, I wouldn't, make, I wouldn't push it that far, but I, I would do this. And so what we'll do is hopefully activate you through the stories and illustrations of all of these extraordinary, ordinary people. And I really went out of my way to not do just this crazy ton of name dropping of successful people that you know, but to interview just extraordinary, ordinary people who got a little scrappy over time and really made things happen. And I think that's the empowering piece of the book and the concept. And, you know, I just hope that it helps everybody, you know, just kind of get a little scrappy and take action on the next chapter in their life. It's your life's journey. So, you know, getting scrappy makes for some pretty darn interesting chapters. Yeah, and it leads to tons of excitement in your life, too. So, And you have had lots of that, I know for a fact. Now, <laughs> uh, if we're going to direct these listeners, we want you to go to www.scrappy-thebook.com. That's scrappy-thebook.com. Um, sure. You can also learn more about Terry at www. That's Shodan. S J O D I N communications.com. And is there anywhere else you want to direct our listeners? I presume you probably have a Facebook page for this and we can put the sure, link up there. But you know, Scrappy um, is, um, if you go to amazon.com, you can just type in, you know, Scrappy and then Terry Shodine and it's going to pop up. Uh, it's, the book has been published by Penguin Random House, the division of portfolio. So it's available in bookstores nationwide and, uh, through Amazon and through all of the independent bookstore retail channels. So support your local bookstores. Of course, if you're looking for ease of use, it's also available as an audio CD package or an audio book. And um, if you feel you're like, oh, gosh, I don't need another read, I don't need to pick up another book, then get the audio book and I will read the book to you. So <laughs> don't make it really easy. Awesome. And you've got a great, lovely voice for that. And by the way, always, always, always in our blog entries, and all my listeners know this, uh, we do put links to Amazon. That is like, um, let's say it's the bookstore in the sky. It's probably where 90% of my readers get their books nowadays. That is the way to go. Um, it is probably in a Kindle version as well. So, all modality, Terry, absolutely. 
Yes, thank you, thank you so much for being on Inside oh, Personal it's been Growth a pleasure. and Sharing. Thanks for having so me back again. I really, life. really, sincerely appreciate your kindness and support of my work. So God bless and wishing you all good things, my friend. 